Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Thanks for listening, everyone. Today's show is about uh, Hurricane Harvey and the disaster relief brought on by uh, this this tremendously powerful hurricane that has dumped so much rain on Texas and how we're rallying across our network to help. Uh, Today on the show, I've uh, I've got Greg Martin, who is the founder and executive director of a Michigan-based disaster relief organization. Celia Cole, who's the head of Feeding Texas, uh, all the food bank network there in Texas. And then uh, to begin with, a friend of mine who is uh, just outside the Beltway and, uh, and has seen the devastation firsthand, he's Paul Robbins, and he's on the phone with us. And so thanks for being on the show, first of all, and then tell us what, uh, what it was like with Hurricane Harvey. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm good to, glad to always talk to you, Philip, and appreciate the work you're doing there in Michigan. Uh, can probably sum it up in one word. Uh, it's wet. Yeah. Uh, everything's wet. Um, you know, we've had some uh, torrential rains all the way up to Livingston. My sister's in that area. That's about um, about 75 miles north of Houston. Uh, we've had a tremendous amount of rain up here, even uh, up in Nacogdoches, Lufkin area. Um, the a lot of the roads are closed uh, closer to Houston. Uh, even the roads that you can get to, you can't get off the roads because basically every on-ramp and off-ramp is a boat ramp. Uh, but uh, there's wow. been a tremendous outpouring of help. Uh, people have been very active. Uh, we've got great organizations that are coming to help. We have great coordination. Um, you know, uh, you just can't help uh, the way the land lies. You can't help uh, that uh, Texas has... A uh, tremendous number of rivers and bayous that run through it, and of course Houston. Uh, and so we've seen some devastation as far as uh, the the surge coming up, keeping water from flowing into the Gulf, uh, backing that up, and then dumping a lot of rain. But uh, right, everybody, uh, we we've had people that uh, they're calling it a 500-year flood. Uh, there's been people that have lived in the Houston area for over 50 years and never been flooded. Um, you know, that are on the roofs of their houses. And mm. so a lot of devastation, but uh, uh, people are coming to the rescue. Uh, we have a inordinate number of rednecks here in East Texas that have bass boats, uh, <laughs> and everybody's proud to bring their bass boat out and go uh, save people. So uh, it's really been encouraging. Uh, it's met across uh, racial lines, economic lines, um, and every other line you can imagine, and people are just really coming together to help each other here in Texas. Well, that's great. Well, we know that the East Texas Food Bank um, has uh, both the Salvation Army and the Red Cross are setting up feeding sites there in and around Nacogdoches to help the families that are having to flee Houston Yes, and, um, and, and be in that transitional shelter um, and so the, you know, the food banks providing meals, uh, as, as well as shelter. And, um, uh, so, you know, we've got 21, um, food banks in Texas and all of them are open now. Uh, in fact, later in the show here, we're going to talk to Celia Cole, who's the CEO at Feeding Texas. Um, and she's going to give us an update from their perspective as well. But I know that you've connected with another guest that we're going to have later on the show, too, and that's uh, Greg Martin from Draw. And um, 
I think you've offered him some um, some some opportunities with your office space there. I have. Uh, again, Lufkin is about 120 miles uh, north of Houston. Um, we kind of have some hometown heroes. Uh, our boys in the Little League just won the uh, United States uh, Little League Championship. And oh. so they're coming home to a lot of uh, hoopla and a lot of praise. Uh, that kind of put us on the map and in national news. So just want to shout out to the Thundering 13 uh, mm-hmm. and their great efforts. But uh, likewise, uh, yes, I, I, I do have a large office here in the Lufkin area near the federal courthouse. Uh, I've offered that to Greg and, and any other groups that are coming through. Uh, we've got bathrooms. Uh, I have a whole entire area upstairs. Um about 3,500 square feet that I don't normally use in my regular operation. Uh, we actually handle some big cases for some big companies, work as local counsel. When they bring their teams in, we need that extra space. Uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, litigation going on right now in the wet state of Texas, and right. so those facilities are available. We want to make those available. We want to do our part. Uh, likewise, I'm the commander of the Reserve Division of the Nacogdoches Sheriff's Office, uh, we're all on alert up here. Uh, our exposition centers are ready to be open. Um, since Ike and Rita and Katrina in years past, um, we've put that federal money to good use. We've actually uh, made nice facilities to accommodate evacuees. Uh, and I can't say enough about our food banks. I can't say enough about our Red Cross and organizations like Greg's coming down to helping out. Uh, there's quite a bit better coordination than there was 10 and 12 years ago. Uh, There's quite a bit better facilities. There's better roadways. If you're going to have a disaster, uh, this is the place to have it, and these are the circumstances to have it under. Right. He's Paul Robbins. He's an attorney in uh, Nacogdoches and Lufkin, Texas. And so, Paul, it's kind of a bird's eye view for uh, for us to hear from you what it's like in Texas. And uh, I know we have both have uh, good friends there in Houston, and uh, yes. I'm glad to hear that they're safe. Yes. And uh, it's nice to hear the good news that people are uniting across all kinds of lines and coming to help one another. So thanks for the, the bird's eye view there and, and talk. And especially thanks for opening your facilities up so that people have a, a place to, to normalize their life for just a little bit in the midst of uh, what we can hardly imagine as a devastating tragedy. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for being with us. This is Dr. Phil Knight. You're listening to Food for Thought on WJR. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Food for Thought, sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Hurricane Harvey has now been classified as the most extreme rain event in the nation's history. More than 50 inches of rain have overwhelmed the communities across Texas. And thankfully, the storm has now moved on a northeasterly track. People struggle amidst this devastation, and the Feeding America Network is uniting to provide much-needed relief to families in need. At the, at the beginning of this, there have already been 22 loads of food, cleaning supplies, water, and personal care items that have been sent into the devastated area by other Feeding America food bank members. Other national partners, including our own Kellogg company here in Michigan, has donated 
more than $100,000 and promised 125 loads of mixed cereal and snacks, as many as 30 million meals, to affect the disaster relief efforts. Monsanto, international paper, both committed more than 250000 and international paper is bringing 50,000 boxes to help support Feeding America's disaster relief efforts. A person who's in the midst of this and giving great leadership to these efforts is the CEO of Feeding Texas, Celia Cole, and she's on our WJR line right now. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So can you give us an update of what life's been like uh, for you guys and, uh, and what's been happening and the efforts that are going forth and what do you need and how can we serve you? Sure. Thank you. So so Feeding Texas represents all the 21 Feeding America food banks in Texas, and so we've played kind of a central role in coordinating um, relief um, to people affected by the hurricane um, through our food banks. So we've been sort of working around the clock, obviously, since the hurricane hit last week, um, and we uh, currently have almost all of our food banks open and able to distribute, including Houston, which was the most badly affected food bank. Um, and we are humbled and over overwhelmed by the response that we've gotten from people in Texas and across the country wanting to help. So um, we are, of course, first and foremost asking people who want to help to um, think about giving money if they can. That is um, the best way to support our relief efforts right now um, in that you can do it from the comfort of your own home and we can use those dollars to get the right kind of food to the right people at the right time. Tell Tell us how to do that. Okay, so we've set up um, a donation site. If you go to feedingtexas.org and click on Donate, it'll take you right to a form to give money to support our hurricane relief efforts. Um, we All of those dollars, every dollar that we get, will go directly to help impacted families through our network of food banks. Um, you can pay with a credit, debit card, or via PayPal, and we're urging folks that want to make larger donations to uh, send a check directly to Feeding Texas or, or contact us if if they want to um, do a matching campaign or anything else like that. But for people wanting to make smaller contributions, we urge you to go to feedingtexas.org and click on the Donate button. Excellent. You talk about being overwhelmed with uh, with folks wanting to help. Uh, money, of course, is is the easiest way for help. What else can we do? Um, well, obviously, helping us get the word out um, about the situation, encouraging others to donate. Um, for folks within Texas that want to organize food drives, um, we have a very specific list um, of items that um, that we're looking for, um, things that our food banks really need right now. Um, and so if folks are willing to organize food drives and help us collect um, those items, that would be great. Um, for people outside of Texas, if you're able to organize food drives and you can pay to ship those products, to our food banks in Texas, wonderful. Um, but if you can't, um, we don't always have um, a place you can drop off those items. So um, we urge people who want to organize food drives um, to, to check first with their local food bank to make sure they can accept that donation on behalf of hurricane victims in Texas. That's awesome. That's great to hear, too. This morning I was on Twitter, and uh, I follow a couple of uh, professional golfers. One is, uh, is Brittany Linacome, and she uh, had uh, talked about other relief efforts, and she was concerned that not all of the money was going directly to the relief excerpt. So I replied to her and simply said, uh, well, if you're concerned about that organization, then donate at Feeding Texas, 
and hashtag true heroes because well, I know you guys are standing in the gap for so many people. And uh, it, to, I was really happy. She's got 83,000 followers, and she retweeted my reply to her. So um, I, I really do see you guys as true heroes. We appreciate you standing in the gap for so many. And we will get the word out across Michigan here on WJR that feedingtexas.org is the place you can go and make an immediate impact on the lives of the folks in Texas. Well, thank you. We appreciate your support in getting the word out. And um, um, are, like I said, just uh, so grateful for all the support that we're getting. It's, it's really heartwarming. Well, it's encouraging to us to see the response, and uh, we hate it for everyone. Just to put it in perspective for our listeners, if the rain that's associated with Hurricane Harvey happened here in and around Michigan, all five Great Lakes would have risen by one foot. Wow. And so um, it's pretty devastating. Um, and, uh, and Celia, thanks for your leadership. I know you got to be tired. But uh, we'll see you in Dallas in a month, and uh, thanks for standing in the gap for so many. Thank you, Phil. I really appreciate it. Uh, she's Celia Cole. She is the CEO for Feeding Texas. We'll be right back. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Ironically, there is uh, a show we just did a couple of weeks ago that really illustrated what a food bank does in the midst of a crisis. We had our own flood, which I even hesitate to call a flood compared to Hurricane Harvey, but except the people in Midland and those counties, they would call it a flood for sure. Joe Wall, the CEO for the Greater Lansing Food Bank, who was in the midst of that disaster relief, uh, can break down for us exactly what a food bank's doing and what the 21 food banks in Texas are doing, and particularly the ones that are within the hurricane, uh, Houston Food Bank, some of those that are all reopened and exactly what their day-to-day activities looking like right now. Joe, I'm, we're, your ears must have been burning because Leanna Bennett, our guest from the Michigan Department of Education, who helped coordinate a lot of the relief efforts into Isabella and Midland County um, during the recent flooding, uh, mentioned the impact that Greater Lansing Food Bank had on the residents who were displaced by the flood. And uh, she spoke in glowing terms, and we wanted to get you on the call on the show here and uh, get your perspective on that. So Jerry's got a couple of questions for you. I appreciate it. Yeah, nice you know, to talk to both of you. Great, and it is always a pleasure. Uh, you do such good work over there and, and in, in the counties that you're serving. Um, and one of the things we were trying to get at was what actually happens, you know? So there's a crisis, and, and all of a sudden, resources are mobilized and families are helped. So help us understand, what does the food bank actually do in the crisis? Well, I appreciate that. And, and let me start off with uh, sharing that there's a spectacular network across our state people talk to each other. And when there's a need, you know, we send an email, we pick up the phone, we figure out what's going on, and we mobilize our resources. And so we received information from multiple sources, but primarily it came through our own 
you know, Dr. Phil Knight, Food Bank Council, uh, who was contacted by the Department of Education to, to let us know, in fact, that there was an emergency going on. You know, there was unexpected rain, significant flooding. Uh, as soon as we realized what was going on, we called our agencies uh, in that community to get a firsthand look at what was going on. So they reported back to us. Um, you know, we then spoke to the people that we needed to speak to. Uh, we pulled a truck into our warehouse. We filled it up with food within a day, and we drove that truck uh, to the affected site so that we could pass out food uh, to make sure that people had food. I mean, it's in one way, it's a really simple process. You do what you need to do. In another way, it takes some pretty significant communication to fully understand what's the need, where is it. Uh, and, you know, it's an old story. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, reading about the tsunami years ago in Southeast Asia. And so organizations decided they were going to help. They had um, winter coats that they were going to send. Well, this is Southeast Asia. So you got to make sure you send whatever it is consistent with what the need is. And so, you know, again, we talked to uh, hmm. the Department of Education, uh, people at Food Bank Council, to our agencies, found out what people needed, filled up the truck and took it there. We had volunteers waiting so that we could distribute it. That's the way it works. And I know that um, it's easy to take for granted that these systems are sitting there in the background. Um, so, so how do you explain the preparation? How do you stay poised and ready, not just for, for responding to this crisis, but the next one? Sure, which is a great question. And I'll tell you, I think every food bank in the state and, and many other not-for-profit organizations always have to think about, so what does the community look to us for? And they look to us for emergency food. And so sometimes we can plan for that, but other times we can't. So I think that great organizations have to be agile. They've got to have that flexibility to kind of turn on a dime, as they say. And so, you know, we have our routine. We know we, we are going to send food to, to all these sites on all these days at all these times. Um, you know, that's already scheduled. But at the same time, when an emergency arises, we've got to be able to say, okay, you know, we need to push back this and pull this up, um, grab a truck, which isn't always easy because we all have limited resources, but, you know, it's all about doing what's right. And so, thankfully, because of the support that our community gives us, just like all the communities around the state give to the other food banks, uh, you know, we have that ability to pull food off of our shelf and then to replenish that food. And and that's what community support does for us. It allows us to do that. Um, and so this is exactly what we did, uh, just like every other food bank in the state would do. I know our friends in Flint did the same thing for counties that were uh, impacted by these same rains and floods. You know, we talk on the show a lot about, you know, ultimately our goal is to find a way to have a food secure community. And we talk about systems and we talk about processes and we talk about ways we're changing the conversation. But in the midst of that conversation, we wanted to make sure that we could talk clearly about the one of the most important parts of our work, which is to be available in a crisis. You can't have a food secure community if you don't have crisis intervention when a crisis happens. Exactly. And yep. and you've I really appreciate uh, your perspective on on what food banks do and how we work and what we have to have in place and being nimble and and all those things. Which that means people. That means training. That means investments that are happening behind the scenes. And when we're all if if I can put a plug for food banks, I'm going. 
going to, right? <laughs> when we're all operating on margins that are about 94, 95, 96, 97 cents of every dollar going to the mission and right. still able to make investments in staff and training and warehouse space so you can respond to a crisis when it happens, that is impressive. And Jerry, you just hit it on the head. You know, what we do, it's not about data. It's not about numbers. It's about people. And it's what the communities that we serve expect from us. Therefore, we've got to be ready. And that's what we all do. Um, And you know what? We share amongst ourselves. We talk amongst ourselves. We plan amongst ourselves so that when this situation is in front of us, we're all able to. And we all are willing to help each other. And I think it's a great network. And it serves people, and that's what it's all about. So I'm happy to have on the phone with me a Michigander who's leading a very unique disaster relief organization, a relief uh, organization called DRAW, Disaster Relief at Work. He's Greg Martin. He's the founder and the executive director for DRAW, and uh, he's leading Michigan's efforts into uh, Hurricane Harvey-affected areas. And we'll talk to Greg Martin right after this. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. And I have on the telephone with me a gentleman who's just returned from Hurricane Harvey and uh, the devastation uh, in and around the Houston area. He is Greg Martin, and he is the founder and director of DRAW. And so, Greg, welcome to Food for Thought here on WJR. And uh, quickly, just introduce yourself and tell us what it's really like there in Houston. Dr. Knight, thanks for having me. Um, I'm the executive director of Draw Disaster Relief at Work. We go around the country. We take supplies and volunteers after natural disasters, and this one is a doozy. So uh, I am just, I've just flown back from uh, South Houston area, uh, where I was for a couple of days working with agencies on the ground, uh, to coordinate the supplies that we're going to send this weekend uh, and the team that's going to come, the first responders that we're going to send down uh, on Monday. Um, the, the, the worst spots are uh, things that are unimaginable. Um, you know, we've, we've seen floods before, but to have entire highways swallowed up by water and the rain to continue to come um, was pretty insane and uh i will say the people there are so resilient you know they a lot of them have lost power a lot of them cannot get into their homes uh, a lot of them are just in a in a rough spot and yet a lot of them also want to volunteer to help um we were working in victoria for a day uh, it's about two hours down the coastline from houston and it was where the eye of harvey hit when it was category four so it got a lot of wind like more wind damage than most any other place and we had set up a place to distribute, um, you know, food and other immediate supplies that were needed. And we had 120 volunteers who lived there who wanted to help. Wow. So uh, the people down there are so resilient. It just makes you want to jump in and do as much as you can. I'll tell you the one other logistical thing that is crazy. It was the craziest driving situation I've ever had. Uh, I don't know if you, from Michigan – when you're driving down the highway and the rain's coming so hard that you're going 35 with your flashes on, that was most of the driving that I did. Um, and so luckily 
the, the state authorities had done a great job to put out maps of what roads were underwater, what roads were closed, what uh, where accidents had happened, and so if you could maneuver and not drive into a, a dangerous area. Uh, but we were able to help out a couple shelters in Houston by getting uh, getting supplies into areas where maybe uh, some other people couldn't get in. Wow! So, Greg, let's uh, let's let's back up for just a minute. So, uh, I know you uh, professionally and personally, and uh, Draw, which is uh, tell us again, disaster relief at work. At work, I love it. And and yeah. give us the website there. So the website is drawbuckets.org. All of our supplies are in five-gallon buckets. We've kind of adopted the bucket as our, our mascot. So drawbuckets.org. And that's and that Draw Buckets tag is, you know, that's our Facebook page, Draw Buckets, our Twitter handle, Draw Buckets, et cetera. So what happens with you? You put supplies in buckets, in five-gallon yeah. buckets. And and you take them, and you're one of the first responders to get into an area like with Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, so we we try to identify supplies that other organizations didn't do, you know. Um, and and we realized as a you know six years ago when I founded Draw, we you know we couldn't you know maximize what Salvation Army could or what Samaritan's Purse could or any of these other organizations. But we thought what we could do was find the niche of what other organizations weren't doing and fill that gap. And so our buckets are customized with supplies that are needed for specific disasters um, that maybe some other people don't fill. Like we have a family bathroom bucket, which has not just basic hygiene, but like all the things that a, a family of four would need in the bathroom. Uh, so everything from towels to uh, nail clippers to shampoo mm. to razors. To, I mean, just you name it, we have it all in there so that people who have been displaced have all the bathroom supplies they need. Uh, for this particular flood, we uh, are sending a lot, uh, probably a semi-truck load of cleaning buckets, which has all the cleaning supplies that people would need after floods, everything from laundry soap to uh, basic cleaning to air freshener to clotheslines to hang up wet things, etc. And so these are all customized, um, and we have you know warehouse space here in Michigan that's kind of our volunteer center where we, assemble those and send those out of um and we'll be taking those down to harvey south houston um just like we have with other major floods like baton rouge last year or boulder colorado three years ago you name it that's where we've been with these uh with these buckets so uh you started draw six years ago uh, and you obviously use a lot of volunteers and can use volunteers to help you fill these buckets as you as you physically deliver them into the areas that have been devastated. So um, can we can we volunteer at your, I'm assuming you have a, a, a warehouse somewhere here in Michigan where these supplies are coming to, and tell us a little bit about that process and how our listeners can be involved. So uh, we'll use anybody. Um, if there's a large group, we'll ask to keep the age uh, above a certain age. But if it's like a small Cub Scout group, if they're coming on their own, we'd be happy to have them and, and make them a part of it, too. I mean, a part of our founding principle was, like, anybody can help. Let's, put, let's, let's let them help. Um, and so we have an office in Pontiac, but our, uh, our volunteer center, which is the warehouse and, and where the buckets are, is uh, in Waterford on uh, Airport Road, 3549 Airport Road. Okay. Um, and we have uh, a couple of vo- volunteer groups that uh, – 
going the weekend before we go down. We're, we're taking a team of first responders on Monday, uh, about 17 of us right now with a few more that may come. And we'll work down there. But then when we come back, um, we are going, this Harvey is going to be a long haul situation. So we are going to need volunteers throughout the next month or two as we continue to respond. So if people want to get involved, they can contact us through either our Facebook page or our uh, website. And we, we will set up times where volunteers can come and either collect the supplies and drop them off or take supplies that have been dropped off and assemble them into the right buckets so that we can get them sent uh, to the people that need them immediately. So, Greg, I live, grew up in South Alabama. We say L.A. for Lower Alabama, and I've lived there. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to count them, how many hurricanes, and I've actually lost count. Um, yeah. And, of course, the most recent one uh, was Katrina, and my sister was living on Dolphin Island, and uh, it was literally a day before the hurricane hit, and the storm surge was uh, already there. So it was yeah. it was devastating. Um and uh, and lived through Camille all the way back in '69, Frederick in the '80s. Um, it's just it's just a horrible experience. But Mark Blackwell, the producer for Food for Thought here, was told me a statistic about um, Hurricane Harvey that if that rainfall had fell here in the Great Lakes, Mark, you tell me if I get this right, it would have raised every Great Lake by one foot. All five Great Lakes, it would have raised them by one foot. And this this amount of water is concentrated into a much smaller area there in and around Houston and uh, and uh, South South Texas. Can you describe for us um, as best as you can using words to paint a picture about what it looks like there, what people are dealing with? Yeah. So. Um it's it's hard to fathom, you know, 50 inches is four feet high. So my brain, I'm not <laughs> smart enough to, you know, my brain goes, okay, well, you know, four feet high is at my chest. Um, but because of different levels and because the ground can't handle it all, some of the water levels are rising, you know, 20 feet in areas. Right. Um, I can tell you the story of it. I'll tell you the story of the shelter that we helped out at. Um, this can give you an idea. So, I was in Victoria. Uh, the shelter in South Houston said, we need supplies. We're opening the shelter today. So I was able to drive into South uh, Houston, uh, and the rain was coming down hard. And when I got within about a half mile of the shelter, the water was about four inches high. And it was borderline, you know, should I drive through it or not? Um, and don't tell anybody, but I had a rental car, so screw it. I was going to go through it. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. No, we won't so, name the company. <laughs> we won't name the company. So I drove through it, and it was fine, and I had an SUV full of you know, probably uh, 60 cases of water and 90 grocery bags full of supplies. So I dropped it off there as people were arriving at the shelter, and the shelter ended up housing about 130 people that night. I called the shelter back the next day, and they sent me pictures. But just in that shelter, that building, uh, after I left, the water got the rain got harder, and there was five feet of water sitting outside the front door, glass front door. You could just see it like it was an aquarium, and they had stuffed, you know, sandbags into the cracks so that way the water wouldn't seep in. But the people there were trapped. Wow. Uh, and the water happened that fast. It happened in twelve hours that it raised four feet from the time I was there, and they said, you know, if you hadn't brought the food and water, we would have nothing 
uh, because we're stuck here, and they were able to get out and evacuated about 36 hours later. Wow. So we were able to get them what they needed, but the water just, it's hard to fathom how fast it goes up and how high it goes up. But in certain areas, if the ground can't handle it and the water keeps coming down, um, you know, people are having to sit on their roofs. You've seen so many boats when I was driving in South Houston, so many people taking boats in there. And I'm, everybody I know who owns a boat is very particular about what they do with their boat. But the people down there are just ready to, you know, drive their boat into a cul-de-sac, you know. So right. it's uh, it, it's hard to un- understand or even fathom the landscape. But it's also, you know, as, as strong as this storm is and as strong as the landscape of, uh, of water is, the human spirit in Houston is even stronger to make sure that uh, neighbors are taken care of. He's Greg Martin. He is the founder and executive director for Draw, Disaster Relief at Work. The website is drawbuckets.org, and uh, you can find them on Facebook and Twitter with the same handle, Draw Buckets. Okay, Greg, let's hang on right there. I want to hold you over through the break, and we'll pick it up right where you left off. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Greg, Michigan people are a uh, giving people. Uh, We don't deal with a lot of hurricanes here, thank God, in Michigan. But um, we do know what hardship looks like, and we've been able to uh, come through several hardships, uh, uh, some of those of our own making financially, economically. but, but, But we are a giving people here in this state. And um and so if people want to give their time, they want to give their talent, they want to give some of their treasure, um, there's an opportunity to do that through a relief organization based here in Michigan whose, whose mission is to provide relief in the midst and particularly at the beginning of a disaster. And, um, and they can do that through, uh, through draw that you founded six years ago. So you mentioned to us that you're uh, on your way back, um, this weekend, long weekend, and you're going to be there for about a week. And are you physically taking the buckets with you? Yes. We're shipping down uh, a semi load of buckets initially with us. And then our team is going to go with the buckets. So we're going to handle the distribution and, and, some t- and in some cases the use of them to help people uh, clean uh, whatever belongings and salvage whatever they can from this, I mean, devastating flood. Mm-hmm. What I would say to people, if they wanted to help out with Harvey withdraw, um, we, are, we need help right now with um, supplies and money. But in terms of volunteers, right now we're good. We're going to need a second wave because this is so long. So if people contact us, you know, saying they want to volunteer, we're going to use you. Just be prepared to be used in a week or two as opposed to right now because with the size and scope of the damage here, we're going to need to send multiple loads of supplies, multiple teams. And so we want to make sure that the energy of of people who want to help isn't just used in the next three days. It's used in the next six to eight weeks. So, uh, and so yes, that's a great us, that is a we'll great point greg because we're having in the food bank network we're having that same conversation is there's a lot of folks here during what we call the media rush and when that subsides here in the next few days there's going to still be a great need for a lot of help and uh, we like to call, you know, we love first responders, but we also like second, second waivers. And that's really what you're talking about. And we'll be sending food, and we have been sending food and supplies down through our network. Um, uh, we're not quite as creative as you are to, 
to actually put them in a bucket and know exactly what those <laughs> buckets are are themed and where they fit and who needs them and where. You're, we're sending pallets of uh, food and water, and uh, and together, I think they're all working. It's all working really well together. Yeah, absolutely. Every, I mean, everybody's got their niche, and it's an all hands on deck situation, so everybody's needed. Absolutely. Draw disaster relief at work, and uh, Greg Martin, the founder and executive director, is uh, leading a team down. If you want to volunteer, you can reach them at drawbuckets.org. You can find them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, and I know that on Facebook you've been going live recently uh, with some of the uh, the trips you've been making into the area and uh, wherever that area might be. And uh, so we can follow you there, and if we want to give some of our time, talent, and treasure, we can physically come to the volunteer center and uh, help you pack buckets. And uh, That's correct. But you're really going to need some help, not just next week or the next week, but within with really a little two or three weeks in from now, you're going to need some help. Absolutely, absolutely. So you can find all that there on the on the site. We're going to try to do updates daily on our Facebook page as well as links to, you know, ways to donate on our website and stories of uh, people that are helping. We like to highlight not just ourselves, but, you know, this is there's a lot of us together. So um, we'll, we'll try to be Grand Central Station of people helping in Michigan. Well, now it's time for a little food for thought. Unity is strength, and where there is teamwork and collaboration, wonderful things can be achieved. And I think this show illustrates that. How private, public, and government partners are coming together to help people in their worst time of need. I'm proud to be a part of the Feeding America Network and our network here in Michigan that's rallying to the cause to help people. Thank you for helping people as well here at home and now there in Texas. Until next time, folks, come back and join us. Remember, food first, folks, food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.